the Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Lunn and Rob Davis. I'm determined not to laugh this week. I'm very um, impressed. I, I try to sound as like bland as possible. So uh, this week uh, we are uh, covering chapters uh, 10 to 12 of uh Stormfront by Jim Butcher. Uh, we're also going to cover a little bit of news in the world of Jim Butcher um, with uh, a new uh, micro-fiction release on his website uh, and the release of a new uh, Winter Lady statue. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. But before we uh, we get into that... Um, Rob, how have uh, how has your Dresden reading been going? Yeah, not too bad. I I say not too bad. Um, I still need to start Cold Days for the first time, but I mean, as I've said to you previously, I'm every, every Dresden book I read lately, I kind of throw something else in between to kind of I don't know cleanse the palate, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I mistakenly chose Wheel of Time to uh be the palate cleanser, which isn't really a palate cleansing book in the slightest. I I admire the. Uh, I'm going to take a break from the big series by picking <laughs> up a bigger series. Yeah, I mean, what makes it even worse is I I finished Gardens of the Moon last week, the first book of uh, Malazan, Book of the Fallen. So mm. now I feel like I'm tied by too many epic series. But you only make a podcast about one of them, so yeah, I, well, we've, <laughs> we've we've made the right right one to talk about. I feel. I I mean, Wheel of Time, I, I believe, is is pretty good, and I started reading. Um, oh fuck the the book that you've literally just talked about. <laughs> Gardens of the Moon. Um, Gardens of the Moon, um, but. Dresden, Dresden's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day. Same question to you. Are you reading anything else at the moment, or? Yeah. So uh, with the current apocalyptic state of the world, um, I am doing. I'm doing a bit of reading around marketing because that's kind of what I do outside of podcasting and all the fun stuff. Uh, so I'm reading uh, Made to Stick, which is um, a book all about like uh, basically how to convey ideas uh, in a way that's like interesting and um, just more storytellery, I guess, mm. uh, which is pretty cool. Um, in the kind of fiction department, uh, I'm following the Dawn of X X-Men event. Um, so I've been picking up, they, they've done something new with that where they've kind of made uh, individual volumes, um, like instead of following one series, like just the X-Men, they're yeah. following like X-Men, X-Force, whatever, like across, and all of issue one is is, a, is in a volume, uh, all issue two is in a volume and, and following that way, and that, that's been really cool. I think that's um, a really good idea as well, if, it, if it's all tying together, like way planned then yeah it's a good idea yeah definitely agreed um past that uh it's just been kind of uh, little bits and pieces um i'm trying to get through the horus heresy warhammer novels um mm. because i have the time for once in my life to do it is that um, the dan abnet series so it's Honestly, this is the most insane concept for a fantasy series. They <laughs> got like 10 writers together and yeah. set them to task producing um, essentially a novel every month. Jesus. Um, and so from the early 2000s, they've produced, I think it's, I think it's either a novel, it, it works out roughly a novel a month, but it's more like every three months they release three. Yeah. Um. But it's a forty-two book series. Jesus. Which 
is insane. Um, and I am on book nine. I mean, that's moment. pretty good going. <laughs> <laughs> they, like they, they do vary in kind of quality and and scope and stuff, but I would say generally the quality is pretty high. And if you've got any interest in like the Warhammer forty k universe, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I used to be really into Warhammer. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I used to be really into Warhammer when I was in secondary school. And especially like the Lord of the Rings stuff. I think that's what got me into it. But I've always been curious about the Warhammer books. But I've just been... I don't know. I'm always hesitant about them. I just feel like... You, you know that kind of scepticism you get from like a movie tie-in novel? Yeah. Yeah, I tend to get like a feeling like that, and I'm always a bit like, oh, I don't want to get it, and then find out I've like wasted however much on it or wasted my time with it. But that said, I definitely say they come up a lot in the in various like Audible sales. Yeah. Um, especially the first couple of books of the Horus Heresy, um, and the first three books of the Horus Heresy, um, are like. They're, they're wild, they're awesome. Um, yeah. So if they ever come up, I really recommend giving them a go and then you'll kind of get an idea if you if you fancy pursuing them or not. Yeah. yeah I mean, a similar thing with... Um, oh, Sam posted it in the Dungeons Dragons group yesterday, the uh, like bundle of books related to them. And I mentioned um, our... Is, yeah. Is it R.A. Salvatore? The author? Yes, yeah, R.A. Salvatore and the Drizzt novels. Yeah, yeah, like they, those caught my interest about two years ago. I can't remember why. I think I was just trying to find a new fantasy series to check out. And I think I've got the first one on my Kindle. Don't judge me. Um, I never got around to starting it, but I didn't realise it was part of like. Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. Yeah, um, I, so I've read Homeland, which is uh, the first, um, yeah. and I would say that the Dungeons and Dragons novels are harder to get into than the Warhammer ones. Um, they they're a bit lore dense. Yeah, um, and they kind of expect you to have a lot of knowledge going in. Um, but they are again. They're very well written. Um, it's just I I feel like they feel a bit more fans writing for fans, I guess. Whereas okay. the forty k ones feel a bit more like uh fans writing for a wider audience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, I guess. That's that's my like mini little review. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we, um, we drifted off heavily off subject. I mean, it, it's all fantasy, and like um, yeah. Jim Butcher has said that he's big into his Dungeons Dragons, and uh, I think he's influenced cool. by a lot of these kind of series. Definitely. So, uh, it's I I admit the argument that it, it's semi legitimate. Um, cool. So uh, we'll head into para networking, uh, the part of the show where uh, we talk about what's going on in the world of Dresden Files. Uh, and kicking off today is Rob with uh, a statue release. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to find the company. They're a company called uh, the Hamilton Collection. They make um, all these like limited edition like collectibles, like statues, figurines, and stuff like that. Um, one of the products they announced a few days ago was uh, a figurine of Molly Carpenter as the Winter Lady, which, I mean, we'll post the link in the description, but it, it looks badass, i got to admit. Definitely. I don't um, think... So I'm just looking at the uh, listing now. There's nothing on there about price at the moment, but you know, who, who, who cares about that? I, <laughs> so if you had... It, how would you describe the the figure for our listeners? Oof. I know, like, 
I'm very mixed when it comes to this kind of memorabilia. It's like if if you're a super Dresden fan, I think it'll be something that like really appeals to you. If you're just kind of casual, I don't think you're going to be that phased by it. But I don't know if they've bought anything out like this before. If if they have, then it's it's going to be worth checking out just to add to your collection. I mean, especially if you're like me and you have a Dresden shelf, which is um quite a mess at the moment because my fiance keeps putting all her like sharpies and stuff in front of it. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, if you've got a Dresden shelf or cabinet or whatever, then yeah, it's gonna look good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like especially uh if you want. If you want to, uh, so it's kind of Molly. The, I would kind of compare her to, um, like Storm from the X Men a little bit in how she looks in this one. Yeah, um, literally just thinking that way, trying to like. Um, and definitely looks like all powerful and stuff. Um, if if you're someone that wants like to, kind of really show off your Dresden collection or um, just kind of have like a, a cool talking point so that like people are like, oh, what's that? And then you're like, oh, the Dresden files. And then you pull them in. Uh, that's um, that's a great way to kind of kickstart that. Uh, again, yeah, we'll put the link in, in the description. Um, and yeah, it, it's a really cool statue. Uh, it's definitely something that like I would consider picking up if point. I didn't have like twenty cats, then I would definitely consider getting it. <laughs> cool. Uh, so the other part of para networking um, is uh, a little bit of uh, microfiction from Jim Butcher. Um, so these are a really cool little. Um, so one of the things that Jim Butcher does, and and I'm, I'm sure many other authors do this. Um, is he will occasionally post uh, short stories or uh, even microfiction, which is like the shortest possible form of, of a story, really, um, onto onto his site for free for fans, um, but also to give you an idea of other stuff going on in the universe, uh, maybe a different character's point of view. There's been some fantastic um, bits uh, that he's kind of put together. There's two anthologies of short stories out there that you can pick up uh, set in the Dresden universe. One is uh, Briefcases uh, and the other one is Side Jobs. Um, and we're going to be uh, picking up stories from those as we go through kind of where they fit into the chronology. Um, the Restoration of Faith, which was our first episode, uh, is one of those uh, stories that um, is in uh, Side Jobs. Uh, it's the first story inside jobs. Um, and the one that uh, Jim Butcher has released uh, this week um, is a little like uh, fun aside um, is uh, a short story about um, the son of Bigfoot. Uh, now Bigfoot uh, in the Dresden universe has like a, a trilogy of short stories with him in Dresden. Um, that uh, are all featured in brief cases. Um, they're really, really good. Um, really worth checking out, and they kind of follow. Um, Bigfoot has a son with a mortal woman, uh, and his uh, half, then this half Bigfoot uh, called Irwin, um, uh, like has to grow up in normal society and. Dresden kind of becomes a bit of a mentor figure to him because uh, Bigfoot, for one reason or another, can't really get involved uh, in um, like normal society. He's, he's kind of a little too inconspicuous. Um, so with that, uh, this story uh, takes place after Erwin has grown up um, a little bit and uh, is looking for his first job um, and uh, it's just it's just a fun short little story um, 
of checking in with him. Uh, it's probably more fun for those that have read the um, the Bigfoot trilogy in brief cases because it kind of picks up some story threads from there. Um, but if you just fancy like a little top up on the Dresden universe and a bit of Jim Butcher's voice, uh, it's like oh, maybe a thousand words, if that. Um, but it's just a bit of fun. So yeah, that's that's it really. Um, awesome. I don't think there's much. More. Yeah, there's not much more to to add on that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it eventually down the line. Damn right. Um, yeah. So, uh, with that, there's not really, uh, much else in the power networking, uh, section today. Uh, it's a, it's a nice short one, which is, uh, partly why we kind of touched upon a little bit of our reading, um, uh, just to kind of, uh, give you a window into what, what we're doing at the moment in this strange world we're in. Um... Right, yeah, uh, I'm going to keep talking for a little bit longer uh, as we go into the book club section, uh, but I will pass back to Rob eventually. Um, so uh, in the book club section, uh, we are looking at chapters uh, 10 to 12 of uh, Stormfront uh, by Jim Butcher. Um, last se uh, session... Uh, episode we covered chapters uh, seven eight and nine uh, as Harry began uh, kind of the investigation uh, into uh, what's going on with the murders in Chicago uh, we had uh, he co uh, his confrontation with Morgan um, where Morgan basically accused Harry of being the murderer um, Morgan being a warden of the White Council, kind of a magic police officer. Um, we then had uh, Dresden's encounter with Bianca, uh, a red court vampiress, uh, who basically gave Harry some kind of uh, some important information to do with the case, uh, but at the same time tried to ha have a bit of a knob on his neck, um, which he uh, he kind of. Uh, managed to repel uh, and they had kind of their first sort of head-to-head uh, -head face off um, but there was also some kind of mutual respect that was built up there uh, which is very interesting um, we also had a potion making uh, section as uh, Bob the Skull was introduced uh, Harry made a love potion and an escape potion uh, the escape potion, uh, because he uh, felt it was going to be uh, important in the kind of case to come, uh, partially because he's got to deal with Morgan, but also with Bianca and the mafia boss, uh, Marcone, uh, and it's just going to be useful to have a, a way out of any sticky situations. Uh, the love potion uh, was Bob's kind of requirement for Harry uh, making the escape potion, uh, he wanted uh, Harry to demonstrate that he could make it, uh, kind of in a way that like a, a teacher uh, pushes a student to try something they haven't done before, or to kind of expand their horizons. Uh, and um, Harry uh, created both potions. We got a bit of a window into kind of potion making uh, and and that sort of like magic uh, aspect of the Dresdenverse, which. Uh, was pretty interesting as um, it doesn't come up so much in the later books uh, but it's definitely recurring uh, throughout the series uh, whether it's other characters making potions or Harry making potions but we never really get um, as much of a, a uh, view of it, a description of it as we get uh, in this first Stormfront book um, yeah so uh, as we go into chapter mm -hmm. 10, Harry has left Bianca's, uh, and Rob's going to pick us up from there. Yeah, so um, with the general overview for chapters 10, 11, and 12, <clears throat> kick things off with chapter 10, as uh, Harry goes to the airport to interrogate uh, a woman that works for Bianca, Linda Randall. 
That's pronounced uh, R triple A N B A L. I thought it might be. <laughs> Randall. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's quite an interesting scene. We'll touch upon that again in the uh, discussion. Um, mm-hmm. From there, we get the investigation of uh, the pizza company that delivered the pizza to the lake house. Um, again, this is. Yeah. I, I especially like this chapter because it's like. It goes back to that kind of noir feeling of like. Oh, it's, it's just pure investigation, like no magic at this point. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> then we get the classic uh, detective novel trope, which again is something that I just love. Uh, after investigating the pizza company, you've got Harry strolling away and he gets jumped from behind by a dude with a baseball bat. And it, it, they do the whole thing where they like slam the bat down next to their head and it's like, you better keep your nose out of this, buddy, or we'll we'll shut that mouth of yours permanently. I I love the dialogue in that scene. Same. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna quote it later. Um, but yeah, it's it's very fun. <laughs> uh, and then we move on to chapter eleven, where we've got uh, Harry going to the police station to meet Murphy, and again, th- this plot line I completely forgot about. And I don't know if that's, again, the graphic novel uh, way of reading it, even though I've imagined it would have been in there, or if I've just forgotten over time, because I've read a lot of Dresden in between. Um, but the free-eyed thug. Like you've got uh, two police carrying some guy who's just mumbling like trash as he, as he walks past. Um, we, we, we get this whole like reveal that he's been taking a like some weird mystical magical drug that opens people's third eye um mm-hmm. and because of this like I, i've already forgotten if harry's mentioned the third sight at this point but um it gives the like drug user access to their third eye like seeing like through the wizard's sight i guess revealing all this nasty detail and stuff but he like goes up to Harry and he's like screaming hysterically and shit and he's he's like oh I I, I can see it all I, I see you know he who walks behind and that that's something I mean obviously I don't think I picked it up at all in my first read and there's a reason for that but um yeah I didn't realize that the first mention of he who walks behind was this early on in the series but um again we'll get we'll get to that in the actual discussion um, we finally get to Harry and Murphy catching up on the case, what they know, what they don't know. Um, and I especially like that because it delves in a bit into their relationship again. Um, yeah, which is really interesting because, I mean, like I say, I'm on, I'm on um, book 14, I think. I can never remember mm-hmm. the numbering, but it, it's it's just so strange to see their early relationship when you're also reading kind of where they are now alongside that. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Harry passes out from his little injury from getting, you know, twatted by a baseball bat, which is understandable. I probably would have just gone home and not bothered with the office myself, but I'm lazy. <laughs> and finally, we have uh, chapter 12, where, you know, Murphy takes Harry home and... Uh, Linda Randall calls. Um, I can't remember what she said, which is really annoying. But um, the result from that is Harry then called Monica. Sorry? She wants to meet up, doesn't she? Uh, in like a couple of hours. Yes, that's correct. Thank you. Because she has like more case. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the result from that is Harry then tries calling Monica Sells, no last name. Fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, tries to uh, get hold of her. I think I don't know if it's some, if it's actually stated that it's her son who picks up, but either way, a little kid picks up. Uh, passes the phone to Monica, not, no last name, and you know, he's like, oh, I've, I've got some info on the case, and she's all like, and getting all distressed, being like, "Oh no, no! Uh, I'd like to cancel my order, please." Um, uh, no, that wasn't me. No, 
we don't do that kind of thing here and just you know dodging the whole inquiry about it and mm-hmm. at this point and i didn't notice this again on the first read probably because of it being um a different medium entirely but um we know about harry's issues with technology at this point and he's like oh usually i get static my end not the other and i thought that was an interesting little detail which we'll you know delve into more in a bit but um yeah yeah the, the response from that is you know keep keep the money the half of the money that you already have uh don't worry about the investigation everything's fine cool um yeah and then he gets uh another call that murph answers but you know she just froze out that's it, it's the wrong number yeah and that kind of uh wraps up chapter 12 yeah how did you find it i really enjoyed it cuz again because because i'm like so far into the series now it feels like the private investigating bit is really not the priority at this point mhm whereas going back to this it's like it feels like there's less focus on the magic as well at the moment and all that kind of warring factions within the magic community of Chicago. And it's just kind of that classic detective like police story, which I really enjoy going back to at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like these couple of chapters, uh, so these chapters are, uh, a fair bit shorter than, than some of the other ones that we've covered. Um, I think that especially chapter 12 uh, is only a couple of pages. Um, and uh, I feel like um, while, uh, while it is a bit shorter, the pacing is starting to speed up. Um, yeah. There's the kind of, we're now in the meat of the case. Uh, like, Harry's following uh, following the clues. Um, kind of the setup is over, and, and we're kind of we're into it now, um, which is is really cool. Um, and uh, I think it, it was it was it's the right time to, to kind of get there. Like he set up all the kind of major players uh, in the first ten chapters, uh, and then the rest is kind of the story. And the meat. You could argue that we're now hitting the uh, butcher avalanche, the butcher launch. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely getting there. Um, I think as the, as the next couple of chapters go, we'll we'll get more and more towards the butcher launch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a we've got a couple of points to cover today. Um, with these chapters being a little bit shorter, uh, some of these points are quite brief, um, but uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna dive in and, and uh, see where we go with them. Uh, so the first thing that we wanted to discuss uh, was uh, how how does a mortal threaten Harry Dresden? I. Um, I really yeah, like this idea because um, at this point he's not really been the only real confrontation physically that he's had has been with Morgan, who's you know his superior, I guess, is a way of putting it within the, the uh, council. Yeah. Whereas you, you think wizard, especially in this context, you think, oh, he's untouchable. If he if he's gonna get like messed up, it's gonna be by another wizard or something like that. But um. I really like that it's just, I mean, as far as we know, it's just some random dude with a baseball bat just gets the drop on him. Yeah, definitely. And something that I I love about it is that the kind of repercussions of the attack actually, like, it, it, it basically takes a whole chapter for the attack to really sink in. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of have, so it's like, oh yeah, he got hit over the head, and he goes inside and takes some freaking painkillers and stuff, and 
um, he goes off and talks to Murphy and it's like, oh, okay. So I guess he can just kind of shrug that off. But then as he's talking to Murphy, um, he faints. Um, it like drops to drops to the ground, drops unconscious. Um, and weeks of about 20 minutes later, um, Murphy's like, you have serious like head trauma. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was I thought it was pretty cool um, that it was kind of a lasting effect. Um, yeah, especially this early in the series, it's it's good to show that he's vulnerable. Like he can yes. be hurt, he can be broken. It's not. It, it it gives you a bit more tension, I guess. I can't find the word I'm looking for. There's a bit more at stake, I guess. You know that yeah. he can get, you know, fucked up. He can. He could possibly die, but um, yeah, it's it's just good to show that he's not just like bulletproof for the sake of being bulletproof. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I've I've just got the little uh, quote um, for when he gets attacked, so I'll pull that one out. Um, he was waiting for me behind the trash cans that stood next to the stairs leading down to my front door. The baseball bat he swung at me, took me behind the ear and pitched me to the bottom of the stairs in a near senseless heap. I could hear his footsteps, but we couldn't but couldn't quite move as he came down the stairs toward me. But figured it was just the kind of day I was having. I felt his foot on the back of my neck, felt him lift the baseball bat, and then it came whistling down toward my skull with a mighty crack of impact. Except that it missed my motionless head and whacked into the concrete next to my face. Right by my eyes. Listen up, Dresden, my attacker said. His voice was rough, low, purposely hoarse. You got a big nose. Stop sticking it where it doesn't belong. You got a big mouth. Stop talking to people you don't need to talk to. Or we're going to have to shut that mouth of yours. He waited a melodramatically appropriate moment. They waited a yeah, melodramatically appropriate moment and then added, Permanently. His footsteps retreated up the stairs and vanished. I just lay there watching the stars in front of my eyes for a while. Mister approached from somewhere, probably drawn by my groaning noises, and started looking at my nose. I like to think that if you were Mugrod, this is what would happen with your with Mister, your Mister. Probably. I I mean I hope I never find out, <laughs> but, <laughs> but probably. <laughs> And if not, you know, Mister, it'll be the dog doing it. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's more needy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's again, it 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 is quite like cheesy in a way, but um, I I really enjoyed it. I guess. Cheesy. Um, uh-huh. and, and kind of go for it. Yeah, I was just gonna say it, it's cheesy and it's, it's it's kind of part of the whole trope of the noir detective kind of thing, but I mean that's why it's mm. so good because I feel, especially the last couple of chapters we've had, it, it feels like um, the like, noir kind of PI investigation part has been a little bit more downplayed, and it, it's nice to get that kind because of, it's set, again it kind of resets the tone to that style and it just makes me think of like all the old like black and white noir films definitely um yeah that, that i mean that scene would belong in like a dick tracy or something like that definitely yeah. as much as it belongs in dresden files <laughs> uh cool uh, we're gonna talk uh touch on miss randall as well um which, which I actually, I, I really like as a scene. Um, so he is trying to get hold of uh, one of Bianca's um, uh, prostitutes, I guess, uh, to talk about um, what happened on the night of uh, the murder. Um, and she's at O'Hare Airport. Um, and he kind of, he calls her up and... Uh, he basically works out that, uh, so he calls her up the first time, she kind of brushes him off, he hears one of the 
um, intercom announcements from O'Hare Airport. He then goes to the airport um, and finds a car uh, that he thinks uh, could be her, uh, which a, a little bit it, it is it's a little bit of a leap that he'd be able to do that, but not impossible. Um, and then from like a, a from a phone booth nearby, he calls her again. When he sees the woman in the car answer the phone, he goes uh, to interrogate her, uh, and then she gives him some information on um, basically uh, the the night of the the murder, and um, she essentially was a, a colleague of the woman that died. Uh, and they often kind of work jobs together and stuff, mm. um, and was able to give like kind of a bit of information on um, the, uh, the the guy that was murdered, uh, Mark Owens' uh, enforcer, as well, because um, they they basically he'd been a client before. Um, but the thing that I found really interesting was that she puts on a very like femme fatale. Um, I guess like sexually aggressive kind of yeah. vibe, um, and to to kind of knock Harry off his game, and it's it's only when he w- works out what she's doing that she kind of is like, "All right, Mister, I'll give it to you straight," kind of thing. Hmm. Um. How, how did you find that scene? Again, like I enjoyed it because the whole uh, femme fatale thing is again very much kind of a a film using the word trope wrong here but trope of like noir crime and it's Mm. again just a really nice especially with it being before the uh, attack it's just a nice kind of flow and I just love the entire that whole chapter to be honest is just I just love it it's very much like classic Dresden action, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. So, uh, moving on to uh, chapter 11. Uh, so, the three eye uh, drug ring and uh, he who walks behind. Um, so do you, do you want to talk a bit about this? Yeah, the, I mean, I just wanted to also mention the free eye drug ring has, has that been mentioned at all so far in this book? Uh, so, Susan kind of mentions it. it. It's just before Susan appears. Harry reads like um, a bit of newspaper at Max, and I think it's, it's like very briefly mentioned and he, yeah, he yeah. kind of says to Mac or anything like this and Mac doesn't say anything because he's Mac um, and that's that's kind of it yeah because I don't really re- I remember the plot point but I, in my head it was a plot point in the second book not this one so yeah <laughs> I was just I don't know like when it came up and when they first mentioned uh, the free eye thing I, was, I didn't take any notice of it but when like the thug that got arrested started like getting a bit weird and screaming and shit. I was like, oh my god, the the free eye drug ring, of course, yeah. It suddenly just clicked in my head that it was a thing. Um Yeah, and I don't really remember much else from that plot point. Um yeah, just the the he who walks behind kind of bit. Yeah. Uh the mention of that, I was I was quite surprised hearing it, but I think that's because I, if it was mentioned in the graphic novel or not, I don't friggin' know anymore. But it's one of those things where you wouldn't really have taken much notice of it, I feel, anyway, because I feel He Who Walks Behind isn't really mentioned again until several books later, unless I'm wrong and just don't remember it until the later books. But, um... No, definitely. I, I think um, in, unless there's little nods to it that, that we haven't picked up on, which is very possible, uh, mm. 
I just the next there time it's going to be mentioned like towards book ten and beyond. Yeah, that's kind of that's what I was thinking. So I remember maybe like again, yeah, like book nine or ten. I remember it being a thing, and you get a bit more information about what it is. But even then, it's like very kind of mysterious, and it's not until Ghost Story where you get the full. I know. I, I guess the first story with what it is and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, see, see um, mentioned now, it's very much like uh, like a moment in a Marvel film, I guess, because it's little nods to like things that haven't happened yet or have happened in Harry's past that we're not at all familiar with and won't be for a while. But it's like that scene in Iron Man 2 where, where, where Agent Coulson's like, where did you get this? And he's holding up like a Captain America shield kind of replica thing. Yeah. It's just, it's just part of like all the trash that Tony Stark has around the house. Definitely. Um, and, and I think it's, it's one of those moments that really benefits you as a rereader of the series. Um, or like with as a larger Dresden fan, um, so we we kind of haven't touched on what he who walks behind is. Um, he's essentially a, a otherworldly being that is summoned uh, by uh, an enemy of Harry's um, that we'll cover later uh, to stalk him uh, and and essentially to kill him, um, and he's very like. I guess Lovecraftian. Yeah, that's that's kind of because they live in like the space between space. I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, or something like that. And it's always kind of hinted there's a bit more of a Lovecraftian kind of vibe about it. Uh, I get um, a sense of. Have you ever heard the the film It Follows? Yeah, yeah. I've not seen it, but it's been on my watch list for five years or however long it's been around yeah where the like the concept is that it doesn't it basically like slowly and methodically will track you down no matter what you do where you go this this creature will always be coming after you um and and there is nothing like that harry can do to stop um he who walks behind uh, it's just a case of getting distance. Yeah. Um, which is is interesting. I'm um, also pretty sure that in one of the later books, um, Bob states that he who walks behind is unkillable as well. Like he can be, he can only be banished from the mortal realm. Yeah, uh, and power level wise, I think he's he's pretty high up there. Yeah, uh, like in a uh, later book, Harry basically blows up a gas station around he walks behind, and it it does almost nothing to him, really. Um. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see him in popping up already. Definitely. Yeah. I've just had a look at the character because I wanted to see when the first like ne- or not first appearance but next uh, mention of it is. Um, he's not mentioned again until uh, book six, Blood Rites. Okay. And I won't say any more there because it's quite a major plot point that I forgot about. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Again, like with the uh, Red Court Vampires last time, uh, there's some really cool art out there. Um, if you uh, if you want to have a look at he who walks behind, um, I think there's a couple of other fictional universes that also use a he who walks behind. Um, I think there might be a Stephen King he who walks behind by the look of it, um, but I don't know what that's from. I, I can definitely see it being a Stephen King thing. Yeah. Um, it's a King thing, baby. 
It, it sounds uh, like um, maybe another name that they would have used for Randall Flagg. Let's have a look. Oh, uh, Children of the Corn. Oh, yeah, I've heard uh, more of it, but I've not read it. I think it's a short story. Cool, yeah. Uh, and could be another name for Satan, or it could be a completely separate entity, uh, similar in ability to Pennywise, um, which I feel like a lot of Stephen King monsters get that thrown at them. Yeah. But there you go. What you going to do? <laughs> Uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, and a lot of like the uh, iconography for he who walks behind is all kind of tentacly. Uh, so you've got that sort of um, Cthulhu Lovecraftian uh, feel to him. And, and yeah, like you say, uh, Bob states that uh, he who walks behind is unkillable. Um, awesome, yeah. So, uh, next point for us. Uh, is um, Harry and Murphy's relationship, and this is a point that, that you brought up, Rob. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a point where probably chapter 11 uh, when they're talking about the case, and she mentions, Murphy mentions um, I think it's, it's something along the lines of, like, does Harry know any other uh, wizards capable of um, doing the death curse thing, because I think Harry says that he could do it, but even at the range that it was done at, he would only be able to kill one person and he'd probably end up killing himself in the process. And mm -hmm. Murphy's like, oh, so you'd need like a Arnold Schwarzenegger type wizard to be able to do it how it's been done here. And Harry's like, yeah, yeah, like, there are only a few wizards capable of you know doing it. And um, Murph's like, oh, give me... Who, who are they then? You know, tell me. And Harry's like, no, like, I'm not telling you. That's like confidential. And Murphy's reactions just like, by not telling me, you're obstructing uh, our investigation and perverting justice or some shit like that. And I thought that was yeah. a really interesting moment because I feel this book and the next book, especially. I remember Murphy's more uh, more of a hard-ass towards Dresden, whereas where I'm at in the series now, that kind of interaction just doesn't happen. It, it, it would it would have gone more along the lines of, um, oh, give, give me the names of these high-level wizards, and Harry would be like, oh, you don't want to mess with them because they, they'd fuck you up. And Murphy would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, if it gets more out of hand, then give me a call. But until then, yeah, I'll just do something else. Definitely. I think, uh, again, like, it, it's part of seeing the start of their relationship. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really like is when Harry goes to go into Murphy's office, she tells him to wait at the door and then unplugs every electronic device in the room. <laughs> that was a nice um, Which kind of shows that her uh, her understanding of magic and, and kind of Harry's effect on it is starting to um, build and she's she's starting to understand that like Harry's going to mess up anything as intricate as a computer. Yeah. Um, which is very, like, it, it's a really interesting, like, feature of the character. I know we talked about this before, but um, because he can't use a lot of electronic stuff, it, it makes Dresden look a bit timeless, and it also means that some of the uh, easier options that are out there, are like the kind of CSI forensic options mm. for other detective stories set in the modern era, just aren't accessible to Dresden. He's got to rely on magic for that sort of thing, yeah. um, which carries its own kind of problems and issues with it which is uh i think that, i think that makes for really like interesting storytelling that yeah i mean can still be makes, set in like modern it makes it harder for him to do his job i guess he can't rely on uh you know just googling something or calling someone up he has to like 
go to Bob, figure things out for himself yeah. a bit. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think I think that really makes for uh, a more interesting story. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much else to really cover here. Is there anything no, else no, you think, want to bring up? I think there was something I dabbled in uh, when I was giving the summary of the chapters. Uh, when Monica No Last Name calls to cancel the investigation, and this, I don't know if this is an actual thing, or if I'm just looking too into it, but um, Harry like makes a comment of how usually the static is more on his end of the phone because of you know it's wizard yeah. interference, whereas the static was her end, and I I can't remember if he said he heard another voice in the background or not with Monica, but I you thought get, that was interesting. Yeah, I thought Monica's trying to hide who's on the phone. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was just an interesting thing to point out because I sure as shit didn't get that in the graphic novel. I don't think, or I just forgot. <laughs> yeah, and and it's a really nice subtle tease that there's there's a magical situation going on with Monica. Yeah. Um. And 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 that will kind of become apparent as we get deeper into the book um yeah that's cool um all right so uh we'll wrap up um mm -hmm. for next time uh it's going to be uh chapters 13 14 and 15 uh we are now going to be getting to the halfway point of Stormfront, so uh, we're cracking along um, at a good pace. Um, a big thank you to everyone that's listening, downloading, reviewing. We've got uh, a couple of uh, really nice reviews on uh, iTunes. Uh, we're seeing lots of downloads on Spotify. Um, at, at the moment, uh, we're just about to cross the threshold for uh, 200 downloads, which uh, is pretty epic um i was not expecting uh, anywhere near that uh, so quickly um so both me and robert are really grateful for all the support um and yeah just just please keep it up we're gonna keep uh, cracking on through this and uh rob do you want to take us out yeah um like pat said thank you thank you for listening thank you for downloading reviewing continue to do so continue to share us around for anyone you know that's also a fan of dresden or is looking to get into their next epic series um and yeah on that you have been listening to the paranet podcast with myself rob davis and patrick learn yeah thank you again and we will see you next week crack open a can of coke enjoy the lockdown and we'll see you then bye bye <laughs>